This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mom of four, Jessica Shields. Hello and welcome to Parent Them Successful. I am so happy that you're tuning in. In this episode, we will be reframing how you think about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, also known as ADHD. And I really wanted to do something different. I want to focus on what is good about ADHD. Also, I will be sharing with you a story of triumph is very inspirational. And then, of course, I'm going to put you to the challenge. So go ahead and tighten up those earbuds or turn up the volume on your commute because your eyes will be open to the natural beauty of the ADHD brain. So first, let's talk about what ADHD is. So again, it is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And a long time ago, we used to say ADHD or ADD, but now uh, in the medical or clinical profession, every type of attention problem is basically under the ADHD umbrella with different types. So you have the inattentive type, you have the hyperactivity with impulsivity type, and then you have a combined, which is both combined. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. And also, it's really important to understand that ADHD is one of the most common mental disorders that are that is impacting or affecting children today. And symptoms include not being able to focus. Sometimes this is, again, accompanied with the hyperactivity or the impulsivity, but it does not have to be. And I just want to share with you some quick facts about ADHD and the diagnosis. So there is an estimated 8.4% of children who have or have been diagnosed with ADHD. ADHD is often first identified in schools or at that school age, because this is when we're really placing a lot of demands on children. And so we can see uh, we're, we're really requiring them to focus for longer periods of time. And honestly, there might be a lot of sitting and taking notes in class. And so educators are really able to pick up on certain traits. And so we often see this diagnosis come with children who are more disruptive in class, who have, um, who may be having, and not all the time, but who also may be having problems with schoolwork, focusing and getting things done. And of course, the research shows us that this diagnosis is more common among boys versus girls. And if you think about how the nature of a girl typically, and this is not to say all girls, but 
the nature tends to be that girls are quiet. They're more, uh, they are more open and willing to follow the rules, for example. And they're not as active, per se, as the boy or a boy. And so if a girl is struggling with ADHD, the diagnosis may be overlooked because maybe it's just the inattention type. So I just want to put that out there for you to understand the nature of how ADHD is seen or even diagnosed or even recommended or referred for diagnosis once they are school age. Now, typically, when we're talking about diagnosis, we're talking about some type of licensed mental health professional is doing an assessment. They're uh, maybe interviewing the teacher and, of course, the parent and sometimes the child, depending on the age, to determine whether or not it is ADHD. But your school psychologist can also identify what we call ADHD-like characteristics. Now, school officials are not diagnosing. They're more or less looking at education codes. So just keep that in mind when we're talking about ADHD. And a lot of parents wonder, well, where does it come from? And so... Scientists haven't yet identified the specific cause of ADHD, but we do know that it has a strong genetic factor. So if your child has ADHD, ADHD, then that means that maybe someone in the family also has, and it could be a spouse or could be a close relative. Now, other factors that can contribute to the development of ADHD include Being born prematurely, maybe brain injury that impacts that part of the brain and how it processes, prenatal smoking, maybe prenatal use of alcohol, or even having extreme stress during pregnancy can also contribute to that development of ADHD. But what I want to focus on today, and not not just today, but I want to focus on for a moment what ADHD is not, because a lot of times some people may be quick to say, oh, I think that's ADHD. Does the child have ADHD when it may not be a true characteristic or it might not be a true, uh, it may not be a true example of ADHD. Okay, so. It is not distractibility and lack of focus due to anxiety, okay? That would be anxiety. That would not be ADHD. It is not due to a lack of sleep or sleep disorders. That would be a sleep disorder. That might be a child who is doing everything they can do to stay awake because they're so exhausted. So, of course, they may be more fidgety. They may be more, uh, they may be overactive, that is not ADHD. Also, if a child has a sensory processing disorder, it may look a lot like ADHD, but they are under, they're typically under or over sensitive to touch, movement, body position, sound, taste, sight, smell, the sense, the five senses. An underlying hearing problem may look like ADHD because the child may not be paying attention. So, 
again, that's not ADHD, ADHD, that is a hearing problem. Also, an underlying speech or language disorder. If a child does not understand what is being asked of them, and it, it, it may present as if they're not focused or not listening, where truly the problem is that they just simply don't understand what is being asked. Also, children, in fact, who have higher levels of intelligence compared to their peers may get misdiagnosed as having ADHD because they grow bored in classes and they feel that material is too easy. So they may find themselves doing other things or not paying attention. And sometimes when children are not properly identified in uh, as gifted, for example, then they may be seen as having ADHD when really they are just bored. That brings me to tell you about a true story. And I recently read about this individual and I I just wanted to share something that resonated with me from his personal story. His name is Jonathan Mooney. And he's a man that was impacted, negatively impacted by the education system. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. So as a kid, he said he hated school. He avoided going to classes. Uh, He would escape to the bathroom, the school bathroom, crying, just so he wouldn't be asked to read out loud. He was diagnosed with dyslexia and dysgraphia, in the third grade, and he was diagnosed with ADHD in the fourth grade. So as you can see, he already felt like he did not fit in. He felt like the square peg trying to fit into a round hole, per se. Uh, His parents tried special education schools for him, tried alternative schools for him, and at some point, he tried no school and he was only in the sixth grade. And, and just to give you an idea of how old a sixth grader is, sixth grade is about 11 or 12 years old. So at a very young age, he had already felt like school was not for him. And just to add on top of that, educators, counselors, some of his teachers had already written him off. They said he would end up in jail. His own father said he would be a high school dropout. And you can just imagine how much turmoil that created for him because he even made a plan for suicide. And so I just want you to know that there is good news in this story. The good news is that Mooney graduated with honors from Brown University and Ivy League University. How did he do that? How does that happen? How does a child who struggles in school and has a track record like his end up graduating and becoming very successful in the world of education from where he came from? And this is what he said. He said he stopped looking at himself as the problem. 
He also said his mother advocated for his rights to be taught the way he learns. That's important. And also he found greater confidence by focusing on his strengths and talents. So for a moment, I would like to zoom in on the role his mother played for a moment here. Notice what he said she did. She advocated for his right to be taught the way he learns. That's very significant. Okay. Her turning point, and he shares this, her turning point was in that moment where she recognized that her son's confidence dropped with each poor spelling grade every Friday. So you know how we have spelling tests on Fridays well, he was very unsuccessful with this, especially having diagnosis, a diagnosis of dyslexia, dysgraphia. This is a very difficult challenge. And so one Friday, his mom told him they were ditching school and they were going to the zoo. And at the zoo, they learned about ecosystems. OK, and for every Friday for a year. He and his mom ditched school and did something that he cared about and he loved to build. So they went to a construction site and he learned about the relevance of math. And even on some Fridays, they went to an improv class because Mooney had been getting detention for telling jokes. So she took that and turned it into something good. She wanted to foster his sense of comedy. And I love what she did. She named it. She labeled this. Every Friday was called Get Good at Something Day because she realized early on that the system that he was in was not teaching him the way he learned. It was not fostering a sense of uh, positivity for him and it wasn't capitalizing on his strengths. So she did that for him. She gave him what was missing. And I love that about her role in his educational journey. So master parents advocate for their child's success and they don't allow situations to happen to their children. But instead, they ensure that situations are happening for their children. And that's what you want to do. So I'm thinking back to his mother And as a result of her courage to speak up, she challenged Mooney's teachers to teach the way her child learns. And that is what changed the trajectory of his life. And I just want you to understand that teachers learn many theories of teaching and learning in their courses as they are being becoming credentialed and getting their uh, their certifications. And one theory that is taught in teacher programs is about the third, the multiple intelligences. So there are 13 intelligences and basically lessons need to be centered around different ways that children learn. And so with the basis of that, we have to understand that there's not just one, two or three ways that children learn. There are multiple ways that children can be taught that really capitalizes on their strengths. And so I love what Mooney says in his talks. He says, the problem is not the person. 
It's a passive learning environment where kids sit mostly all day. The problem is equating normal with good and the problem is stigma and shame from being told you're the problem. And you're a kid or no no child needs to hear that they are the problem. They are good and everyone has something to bring to the table. We all have our unique gifts and talents. And so that's why today I want to focus on what is good with ADHD. And so the research is out there. And one thing that is really good for uh, about ADHD or with individuals who have ADHD is oftentimes uh, these children, let's just focus on children, but these children are very energetic. And you know, we can capitalize on the, that endless amount of energy to help them channel it towards something that will help them experience success, whether it's playing a sport, it could be in school, and as they're getting older, it could be at work, but they're very active and let them use that energy to channel it into something good. Also, we know that being spontaneous, that impulsivity which I would like to say spontaneity is an asset. And, you know, they may be the life of the party per se, or maybe more open and willing to try something new, break free from the mundane status quo of things, right? They might think outside of the box because they are creative and inventive. And they may come out, up with ideas that no one else has even thought about because their brain is just thinking differently. They have a different perspective on life and it really does help them to approach tasks and situations with a thoughtful eye. And so as a result, some children with ADHD might be uh, creators of something new, so inventive, and they may be very artistic, very original, Again, very creative. Another thing that's good about someone who has a brain that operates in ADHD, ADHD is being good problem solvers. There's a lot of research out there about how problems are solved amongst people who have been diagnosed with ADHD. And so we have to capitalize on the fact that they're going to solve problems in a different way. And maybe there may be overlap at times, but they're still nevertheless good problem solvers. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, they uh, individuals with ADHD can be hyper-focused. So some individuals may become hyper-focused, making them focus so intently on a task that they may not even notice the world around them. And this may look like a preferred task, something that they're interested in, something maybe hands-on, but that is a true benefit when given an assignment that is in their lane, that is very engaging. And so we wanna make sure that we're setting our children up for success in giving them opportunities to really engage in a way that is the best fit for how they learn. I love it. And I wanted to add 
that there are certain types of jobs that are just a good fit for individuals with ADHD. And so jobs that are passion fueled. So whatever their passion is, make sure you know your child enough to know what their passions are. But jobs that are passion filled or passion fueled, that are high intensity, that are possibly ultra structured are good for individuals with ADHD. Maybe things that are jobs that are lightning pace, hands on creative Maybe a job that requires them to be an independent risk taker. So it's just so many options out there as you're thinking about the future for your child. If your child does have ADHD or even a child that you know, and even if you are uh, have not or you're suspecting that your child might have ADHD, this is good information for you, too. So just a little challenge for you. And of course, I'm going to give you a loving reminder, but just a little challenge. I want you to know that every single child has something that's right with them. That is right with them, not wrong with them, but right with them. And my challenge to you today is to find it, name it, grow it, nurture it, make it come to fruition and help them be successful. And as a loving reminder this week, it's simple. Focus on your child's strengths. That's it. And hey, maybe you're thinking about someone else who needs to hear this message. It could be a friend or a family member. All you have to do is simply share this podcast episode because besides sharing being about caring, most importantly, you have the opportunity to bless so many others. Hey, thank you for listening. And thank you for allowing me to be your go-to resource for parent support and education. So until next time, be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.